Well, hello! It has been a while since I have sat behind this microphone with these huge, ridiculous headphones on my ears. I haven't done this work in about six weeks, and it feels like it. It feels like I am getting back on a bike, and I'm having to remember how to pedal, and I absolutely know how. I just have to have the confidence to do it again. And listen, that's what happened. I lost my confidence. I had a very human moment in a very public way. (laughs) That is the price you pay for deciding to make your Instagram and your Facebook public. (laughs) Sometimes your life is more well-known than you plan for it to be. So what happened and why be public in the first place? I think that's kind of more of an interesting story because today, as I launch my podcast again, I'm the guest. And I thought about, should I have someone interview me like Taylor or one of my other really creative Catholic friends or my husband? I thought about that. I thought he could interview me. But I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this on my own and I'm going to tell my story and try to quote unquote interview myself without sounding weird and maybe dig deep a little bit into how I got into this gig and who I am and what happened and where I'm going to go after all of this. So let's start when I was seven. (laughs) That sounds terrifying, right? Like, okay, Liv, I don't have that much coffee at my house. And, you know, I have other things to do than listen to you. I mean, sure, I uh, maybe you missed me for a hot second, but not that much. But I really do want to start where I'm, when I'm seven. But it involves my father. <laughs> my dad is an entrepreneur. What's funny is he actually got a degree in psychology which if you've ever met my father, you might want to ask for him to return that degree. (laughs) He's the least psychology person ever. I don't know. But he was always someone who had a lot of different like ventures, you know, like corporate, not corporate. I don't know. He always had a lot of stuff going on. One of the things he had when I was young and we lived in Louisiana was, you know, I've talked about the truck stop. But my father also had a part ownership in a Texaco, like as in the gas station, and also a BF Goodrich tire station. Uh, Station? I don't know. What, a store? I guess it was a a store, right? A tire store? So I remember that almost as well as I remember the uh, truck stop. Those are the two places I spent the most time. I loved going to the BF Goodrich tire shop because I tell you what, There's a smell that is very distinct to car garages and, you know, that type of work, tire shops. I mean, I don't know what to say. Uh, Maybe oil change places. Why do I not know what to call these places? Anyway, so anytime I walk into like discount tire to get my own tires redone or anything like that, I tell you what, I am transformed back to like, seven years old, little girl hiding in these huge tires that these 18 wheelers would come in to buy. 
Well, I mean, not really the 18 wheelers, but the truckers. <laughs> I spent a lot of time with truckers, everybody. That might explain so much. Anyway, but I loved those tires and I loved crawling in them and hiding in them. And I loved, oh, that smell. And there's something about that when you go to your childhood, you know, there's just some really crazy smells that hit you hard. And for me, that's tires. One day I remember my dad was having commercials done and we lived in this small town. You've all heard me talk about it, but there was a local radio station. I mean, I can't imagine if it was local. Maybe it was an area. I don't know. I was young. I really think I was seven. Maybe I was nine. And my father said to me, Liv, I want you to do the commercials. And I was like, what does that mean? And he said, well, you're going to be on the radio and I'm going to tell you what to say. And you just act really excited that you know, like the words that you're saying, because we're having this big like sale. And I remember there was like a clown and there were balloons and there was like carnival food, like, I don't know, popcorn and snow cones. So I was supposed to get the energy going over the radio to get people to come into my dad's BF Goodrich shop to come to this event to buy tires. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. No clue what that meant. But I remember one thing very specifically about this day. First time I was ever on live radio. Second thing I remember was that I got better at it. <laughs> As the day went on, I remember that being probably like as a person, the first time I really started to feel confidence. You know what I mean? Like you go into something and you're thinking, I don't know what this is. I didn't even know to be nervous. <laughs> I didn't know to be like afraid or like what it meant to put yourself out there publicly or how many people would hear you. I didn't have the mental capacity at that point, right? Because I'm between seven and nine years old. I mean, I could find out how old I was, but I don't think anybody really cares. Look, I was under 10. It doesn't matter. Doesn't it? I mean, I feel like that's, that's very distinct in your childhood under 10 and then after 10. But anyway, so I remember feeling Hey, I'm starting to get the hang of this. Like I kind of got a little, I, dare I say cocky? <laughs> I wouldn't quite say arrogant. I mean, but I definitely started feeling really like, yeah, okay. Not only can I do this, but I like doing it. And I started knowing and trusting myself. That is the first time in history, my personal history, <laughs> that I remember feeling that feeling. Feeling like I can do this doing it and knowing that I did it well. It's also one of the first moments I remember getting accolades. Somebody telling me, wow, you did a good job. Wow, you're really good at this. You know what I mean? Uh, because let's be honest, the other things that I did before this moment was I was on an all-boys soccer team and I was horrific. I know I've already shared that story. Oh my gosh, you guys, I was so bad. <laughs> I was so bad. I don't even want to tell you how horrible I was. And it was only because I was the coach's daughter that I still got to play, you know? And so there weren't many times when I got to feel this until this moment. But this is definitely my gateway drug. <laughs> this is definitely my diet Dr. Pepper, my diet Mountain Dew. I call those the gateway like sodas. If you can like diet Dr. Pepper, diet 
Mountain Dew. You, you that's your gateway into the other diet drinks. This was my gateway into self-confidence on a public platform. That is when I started kind of taking ownership and doing other things. I remember in third grade, I was asked by my principal, <laughs> this is so dumb, to be the announcer for our school-wide like end of the year showcase, which meant I had a table at the front of the stage. Okay, I went to Weaver Elementary and there was a big microphone and it was just me and they gave me a script and all the other kids got to be on stage and they're like, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, they were probably dressed up like tomatoes or something. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> How boring are these things? Also, it's only got to be parents, right? I mean, I don't, <laughs> it was a full auditorium or cafeteria or gym or whatever, wherever our stage was at Weaver Elementary. Somebody who went there could let me know. And it was, it was full to capacity. I remember that. I remember I was instructed to wear my Weaver Elementary school shirt. <laughs> remember your school shirt? I mean, they still had that, right? Like the spirit days and you wear your dress shirt. Ours was like a baby sky blue. Oh, it's so 80s retro. It's so fantastic. I wish I had it. It had like hot air balloons on it and clouds. <laughs> like you're going to soar. I don't know. Something lame. Whatever. And I was asked and I emceed. You know what? I never realized that. Oh my gosh. I've always considered my first MC gig when I was 21 years old, but I would have to say I got to change that. <laughs> this is crazy. I'm learning something. Okay. Third grade. How old was I in third grade? Shoot. I wish I was good at math. Anyway, I'll have to put it in the show notes if I figure it out. But third grade, however old that was, I emceed the end of the year, whatever kind of show that was called. I mean, cause it wasn't a talent show. It was like a showcase. We're going to say a showcase, but I remember being asked to do that. Like pretty much afterwards, I, that was kind of my gig for elementary school. <laughs> do people get, I mean, talk about cheap labor. I was like, you know, this voice that could, that would do these things. You know, it's really funny is we all kind of got pigeonholed and this is before you know, we have all these regulations with kids and things like that. But there was a girl in my school, true story. Her name was Abby. Abby. Like that was her name. Not Abby. Abby. But wait, wait to hear what her last name was. C. <laughs> her name was C as in ABC. That was her name. And it wasn't spelled like C-E-E. -E. It was spelled like S-E-A-Y or something like that. But anyway, ABC she could sing like melt your face off. Well, I mean, well, we thought so at the time. It's not like we had America's Got Talent or anything to really compare her to. So at that time, she was the greatest singer any of us had ever seen in our lives, okay? And so she was always the token talent for whatever we were doing in elementary school. And I was the MC. God, this is crazy. I never really realized it. Except for the one time, and this is kind of where I'm going with this whole thing. I got chosen to be in the school-wide play. It involved all, all of the grades. And this school went from kindergarten to fifth grade. And I think I was in fifth grade at this time. I feel like that's a yes. And we were putting on the play Caps for Sale. That's not really a play. That's a children's book, Caps for Sale. And it's about this peddler who has all these caps and he puts them on his, you know, they puts all the uh, caps on his head 
And there's these monkeys and they steal the caps from him. And he falls asleep and they take the caps and I don't they're like in the trees all wearing the different caps and he yells at the monkeys. I gotta be honest, I don't remember the end of the book. What happens at the end of that book? I don't really know. But I do know this. We decided, and by we, I mean my school, we were going to have four peddlers and I was one of the peddlers. And they drew a mustache, and I have to say it that way instead of a mustache, a mustache on my face with a Sharpie, but a curly kind, like, you know, like, wahaha, you know, like one of those like old, like silent film kind of mustaches, you know, like, ooh, the sinister man in the shadow kind of mustache. You see, you gotta, you gotta say it that way. And I had like so many caps on my head. And I remember my mom put me in a romper. <laughs> Let me say this. A, I should never have been put in a romper. And B, I should never have been put in a romper. <laughs> Y'all, it was so not appropriately sized for my body type. <laughs> Definitely was too low. And I had started, you know, not quite blossoming, but kind of having that like, oh, she's about to stage. And it was a little too short. This romper looked more like a bathing suit that was just puffy in the bottom area. <laughs> puffy romper with a mustache caps on my head. You are so welcome for that visual. <laughs> but here's the point of this story. I was terrified. I was so terrified. I wanted so badly to have this role. I didn't want to be the narrator. I was always the narrator, always the MC. I wanted to be on stage and I really wanted this role. I mean, like I, I it was like, I was like, Part of the, um, what is that? What is it called? The Oscars? Like, you know, when you hear that um, actors and films actually advocate for themselves. I don't know if you know that, but it's actually a true thing. I like advocated for this role. I was like, I was born to be a peddler. <laughs> and I got the part. Except that day, I remember being backstage with my mother. I think it was my mom who drew my mus my mustache on my face as I'm dreadfully pulling this romper down because it was like totally into my bathing suit area too much. And I'm pulling it down because it's so uncomfortable, which meant that it pulled it down at the top. You guys, it was just the worst, the worst. And uh, <laughs> golly, I'm going to have to go to therapy after this. So my mom's sitting there, right? Putting on my mustache. And I remember looking at her going, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. And she was like, what do you mean? What are we talking about? You're not doing what? And I think this is the first time I experienced fight or flight. You know, I think this is the first time I was like, look, I've got a plan and it's going to be to leave. I don't, I was kidding. I don't want to do this. And it wasn't stage fright because I remember feeling, God, get me out there. I want to be out there. I remember feeling for the first time in my life, imposter syndrome. I was thinking, I have duped them all. I'm not a peddler. I'm a narrator. What am I doing? I belong at the table in the front, which I don't know who they got this year to be the narrator for this play, because that was usually my job. But that's where I belong, you know, down in front of the stage behind a mic. And I remember thinking, why are they so stupid? Like, I, f I felt like, where are the adults in the situation to look at me and say, 
Okay, well, we were waiting to see how far you would let us go. And just kidding, we only need three peddlers. So I looked at my mom and I'm like, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. I've fooled you all. Mom, I'm not doing this. And I remember her looking at me saying, Olivia, you're going to get on that stage and you're going to do what you have to do. And it's going to be fantastic. You want this and moreover, you know how. You know this. Y'all, it wasn't even a speaking role. (laughs) Wait, wait, not even a speaking role. And hold on for it. I wasn't even on the stage. The entire production of The Peddlers happened in the audience. And walking up to the stage like we would kneel on a bench. I never got on a stage. So dumb. So dumb. So anyway, I did it. I performed it. My best friend Christy was also in this role. She was a peddler. We have a great photograph of me and my romper where it is way too short and way too low. And we're laughing and we each have on mustaches. Oh, if I find that photograph, I'll post it. It's so great. It's a great photo. I even have like socks that go to my calf. You know what I'm talking about? Like the long socks in the 80s with sneakers. Classic, classic. But I did it. I remember that was one of the times or the first time, really, that was the first time, which I said before, of the fight or flight and my mother pushing me and me going through and then feeling like, yes, okay, I've got this. That's the thing. When you get older, right, there's a lot of those moments. And as an adult, there's a lot of times you don't have your mother (laughs) or anyone else saying, hey, hey, you're doing fight or flight, or hey, this is imposter syndrome, or hey, yeah, you really do know what you're doing and you just need a boost of confidence, or what you're feeling is confidence. And confidence is very different than being arrogant, than being cocky, than being a lot of other things, right? But a lot of times people, your haters, I don't know, the world will tell you, wow, wow, you're really selfish, or you're really self-centered. Who do you think you are? And then when you hear that, that becomes a permanent recording in your head. And those are the tapes you hear when you go into events or into new spaces. You start hearing these tapes of these people who think they know all this stuff about you and you've recorded it, kept it, and play it back to yourself and you've changed the tone, and the voice itself to your own voice. And now you can't decipher. You can't decipher, wait a second, was that that girl freshman year that used to sit by me at the lunchroom, but now she doesn't? Is that the tape from the thing she said to me that one day? Is that what, is that what I'm listening to? Or is this actually me and what I believe about myself? Like you, it's almost like you over, like you re-record any of you who grew up with VHS systems right? And we had the tapes. Like every year, The Wizard of Oz used to come on television. Every year. Every year, my mom would tape it. She would tape that. She would tape um, Gone with the Wind and North and South (laughs) every year. And every year we'd lose that VHS. So my mom would have to find another tape and tape it. And so we would, you know, tape over certain things, right? Oh my gosh, you kids, you don't even know. Don't even know the glories of the VHS tape. (laughs) So bad. Oh, geez. Okay, nostalgia. Anyway, 
I think that's what we do. I think we take tapes and we, we tape over them in our own voice. Okay. And we listen to them and we hear them over and over again to the point where we're desynthesized. How do you say that word? I need a co-host. That is when you start accepting it. (laughs) That's what that word means, right? You accept it and you take it as truth. So then when you start doing really big things, right? Whether it's in your career, whether it's in your vocation, whether it's in, you know, uh, your education, I don't care what it is. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be professional, quote unquote. There's a lot of times we go into spaces in our personal lives and these tapes that we have now re-recorded in our own voice start playing on a constant track in our heads. That happens to me. And when I came into this space professionally, it started happening a lot and then it stopped. This time last year, literally this day, September 12th, 2020 is when I'm making this recording. September 12th, 2019, my life changed professionally. That is the truth. Now I went professional in 2018, but this is the date that I changed as a professional. I had a huge gig for me in Connecticut and my life changed in so many ways and that I could go into a thousand stories about how, but I want to focus on It was the day that I looked at myself seriously, honest to goodness. I looked at myself in a mirror at the hotel room that I had been gifted by the amazing women's connection who had brought me up to Stanford, Connecticut, which I now am obsessed with Stanford. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I looked at myself and I said, this is it, kid. This is it. You know exactly what you're doing. You've done this so much this past year, but this is you on your own. And it really kind of was, it really was like my first MC gig all on my own since becoming a professional because I, I had kind of been drafted by a company and I was their MC, but this was me all on my own, like as the Liv Harrison. I had a confidence that day that I had never had. And when I took the stage for the first time, but when I, when I started talking to the people, to the people who were running the conference, to the people at the conference, like it started from the beginning, even before I got on the stage, when I got on the stage, it was ridiculous. Like I was like, I do this for a living, (laughs) which is what I do, but I believed it. It was the first time I believed in myself and I was so confident about it. And can I just say, it was probably some of my best work as an MC. Confidence, I I think, is kind of an underrated thing. It gets you significantly far. Because if you believe in something, I think 90% of that is like, that. you know, everybody else believes you. And I did. I believed I am an MC. I'm good at this. This is what I do. Give me a mic. I don't have to think twice about it. And I I floated on that stage with ease. I am not someone who brags. I am not someone who sees the good in myself. I am not someone who gives myself accolades and a pat on the back. So this was a very unique moment, very distinct moment in time for me. Also, 
the first time as an adult that I distinctly remember having confidence. It was a new feeling. It was a new sensation and it changed my life for the next year, literally. So here I am building up this little professional life as the Liv Harrison, as a speaker, as an MC, as someone on social media. And I start getting really confident at it. And because of that, things start, started getting more clear. And it wasn't like things were getting easier per se, but I was out of the way. For the first time in my life, I got out of my way. Because, and this is a question, well, you know what? I don't wanna ask the question there yet. But, well, maybe I should, I don't know. This was definitely a moment when I started to hear God. I ask my guests every every time I, meet, I sit down with them, whether it's over Zoom, well, I guess it's only been over Zoom. This has only happened during the pandemic. So over Zoom, I ask, what had to happen or quiet down in your life for you to hear God? That's funny because usually when I'm interviewing a guest, I always think I'm going to ask it at a certain point in the interview. And every time I'm interviewing someone, I ask it in a space that I didn't plan on asking. And that's actually happening right now to myself. <laughs> that's kind of great. I totally thought I was going to ask myself or bring up this point at a different point of what I want to talk about. But, you know, what had to quiet down in order for me to hear God? Wow, geez, the answer to that right now, I'm feeling it, was myself. Were those tapes that I had re-recorded in my own voice. And for the first time in my life, I remember them being silent. They were inaudible. I, oh, this is, this is crazy. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm having a moment, you guys, but this is true. This is happening in real life, real time. But that is what happened. I went into this space a year ago and I started having confidence and then I got out of my own way and then my tapes went silent. Here's where I have to be really, really, really honest with everybody, which by that, I mean myself. I did hear the voice of God, but then I put him on silent. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I did. I really did because I knew I could hear him for the first time. Whoa, this is blowing my mind. Um, Oh, <laughs> I'm getting kind of emotional. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I could hear God for the first time about me and the gifts that he gave me and, uh, and the mission that he had put me on, which really I started to hear when I did my Genius Conference the first time in May of 2019. That's not when I felt confidence. Like I said, it didn't happen until Connecticut, but that definitely is the first time I heard him over the voices. <laughs> and by that, I mean over my voice. And I have a really great story with that that I'll share at a different time. I don't think I've shared that yet. Maybe I have. But um, wow. So yeah, I could really, really hear him. And then I shut him up. I did. That's what I did, y'all. I shut up God and I did it in the late fall of 2019, late fall, early winter, I put his voice, oh, I muted it. I really did. And, uh, and my confidence got exchanged for arrogance. I've never felt that feeling before. I've never been arrogant. I've never been cocky. I've never been selfish. Those are not spaces in my life 
that I have had it navigate. Sorry. (laughs) But I did. And I was really broken. And I didn't know. (laughs) As silly as that sounds and as immature as that is, that's the truth. I am telling you as a person, as a human being, I fell into my brokenness because I muted God and my confidence turned into arrogance. And man, I tell you what, I got in my own way in a different way. I had never stepped in this space before. I remember in February, I came out of a meeting with SiriusXM (laughs) and I felt like I could do anything. I felt so secure in where I was in my career, in my professional life, in my personal life, and I could not have been more mistaken at all. I went into that meeting without God. I walked out of that meeting without God. So as most of you know, I got my professional start because of Jennifer Fulweiler. She had a serious XM show called the Jennifer Fulweiler show. And the way I got on her show is really funny, really organic and fantastic. And I know I've talked about it. And she's the one who continuously told me I had to go professional. And she's the reason I got into Instagram. It is all true. And why I'm here today. She's believed in me way more than I believed in myself. And she still does. She's been my biggest cheerleader through this entire SiriusXM experience that I'm about to talk about. Her and Hallie Lord. They've been extraordinary through this entire thing. Jen left her show in May. I became an a, a, um, actual part of the show in August of 2019. I had been a, a frequent guest. I had been a frequent co-host. And then they officially asked me to be part of the show in August of 2019. Oh, I sorry, y'all. This is just hard. And May, when Jen walked away, Hallie also walked away. So that meant that there was going to be an opportunity for a, a new women's voice, you know, on the airwaves at the Catholic channel. Jen was like, Liv, you gotta, this, you've got to put your hat in. Like, this is you, you know? She was like, I've already told them. I think, you know, they asked for suggestions. Your name is a name that I already have given and I'm, I'm giving it to them. And, um, I support you. I back you all the things. She was like, it makes sense. You're a natural talent. You're great at this. You've done my show a billion times, not really a billion, but you know, so she was just very, um, pro me, you know, contacting serious. And she knew about the meeting in February. She couldn't have been more supportive then. So I did, I sent in a demo. It actually was the very first episode of talk to me with Liv Harrison. It was with father, father, um, Daryl and my friend Taylor Schroll was my producer and my manager, Lisa, was cheering me on and my graphic designer, Jen Corsano, did all the amazing graphics. So I had this little team. We sent in the demo and there you go. And then I got word in July, I believe. It might have been the end of June 
I can't remember. I was on the phone with Lisa, my manager, and I see this email from SiriusXM saying, we want to send you equipment. We want you to do a one hour special because we're testing out new voices for a new show. So basically it was an audition and I started screaming. <laughs> and then if anybody's following me on Instagram and Facebook, if you're not, you can go look it up at the Liv Harrison. That's my Instagram handle. I pumped out all this great, you know, graphics that Jen Corsano did about, I'm going to have this special. And I found this incredible guest, Colm Flynn, who we had become Instagram friends and he's so incredible. Oh my gosh. He is one of the greatest gifts that's come out of Instagram for me personally, but professionally, I just admire him and look up to him. Like you have no idea, huge respect. And, um, Colm agreed to being my guest and all the pieces were falling into place. I hired a, and I have not shared this. I have not shared this. I hired a professional photographer for the day of my special who came in with lights and cameras. He uh, taped it, made a video. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> um, he also uh, took photographs, obviously. I have not looked at them yet. I had cookies made specialized cookies from four different bakers in the Houston area with SiriusXM and Liv Harrison and the time and the date and talk to me, all sorts of stuff. I don't think I've posted any of those photos like for myself. I had my girlfriend Kate Roberts meet with me by Zoom. We shared queso and because um, that's what I did for the first time that I went on Jen's show um, in Austin, Kate and I had met up for queso. So it was kind of this, you know, oh, we'll make it a thing. And I had this all in place because my thoughts were, A, if this is the beginning of my career, I want it documented <laughs> and I want it celebrated. And B, if it's not, I want it documented and celebrated because it's still cool as heck. Now, most of you know the end of the story. It was B. <laughs> That was the end of my career with SiriusXM as of today and for what I know, probably forever. But I really loved doing the show. I loved it. I felt really good afterwards and not in a cocky way, in a really natural way. I felt confident. I, I didn't feel cocky. I didn't feel arrogant. And that was because I had taken a nice big break. Thank you, COVID-19, between when I got so full of myself until that moment when I was live on the air for an hour internationally doing my own thing by myself. It will remain one of the coolest moments of my life professionally. I hope it's not the peak, but it could be. I don't know, you know, but it definitely was, it was a ride. And I left that mic feeling really proud really proud of what I did on the air, of knowing what I could do on the air and feeling like I did my best. Like I could walk away from that moment thinking I laid it out there. I put it all out there. I think I did the very best I could without being, you know, having a degree in broadcast journalism or ever doing a show live for an hour by myself. I mean, try to do a live show for an hour by yourself. You know what I mean? Taking on guests and things like that. We had to do that through a Google sheet because no one could be in the studio at SiriusXM at the time. I mean, like, it was crazy. It was a very different type of show, you know? So anyway, 
I'm really proud. And I honestly think if someone invested in me or if there was a space for it, I could develop into that's that like type of entertainment, that type of medium radio. And I would love it, but I don't think that's where God is asking me to go. And not just because Sirius XM passed on me as, you know, the new female voice for them. I just don't think that that is where I'm supposed to be at this time. And when I had the conversation with Sirius XM, it was, let's see, the show was on a Tuesday and we had a conversation on Friday. So in two days, three days, they told me no. They were very kind, gave me a lot of feedback, but they told me we're going to pass at this time. And here's where I got the wind knocked out of me. That is the part I didn't see coming. I really thought I did well enough that they would take me to that it would it would take me to the next stop step. I didn't expect to just end up with a show everybody. Like I I really didn't. And I didn't expect that even after the next step I would end up with a show. I'm being really for honest real. I mean, I think you could tell at this point. I'm going to be really honest. But I really did. I really thought I I had I had done well enough to put my, you know, to go to the next space on the check like on the on the checkerboard. Anyway, so I was not prepared and I wasn't prepared for it to happen so quickly. I thought surely, you know, they were going to listen to everybody and then come, come to a decision of, you know, girl A, girl B, girl C, but see you later, girl D and girl E, whatever. You know, I thought that's how they would do it. I guess, I guess that's what I thought. Um, but no, they were done. And so the fact that it was over so quickly really took the wind out of my sails an hour after that phone conversation, I had a conversation with the publishing firm that I have my book proposal with. And we have been meeting weekly, working on this book proposal so that it could go to acquisitions. And the hour after I met with SiriusXM where they told me no, the, the uh, publishing firm said, hey, we're going to put a pause on this project until September. And I was like, Wow. So now all of a sudden, my two biggest things professionally, which were both on a national level, right? They were both taken away an hour within each other. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Uh, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to express it. I mean, like the wind knocked out, like I was a football player and someone hit me from behind, from the back, like a, like a blow to the head. Like a, I've said before, like the ocean crashing on top of you when you didn't see it coming. I don't know. Pick any one of those cliche type of moments. That's how it felt. Count, you know, throw in there a pandemic and then throw in there, go back to the beginning of this conversation. I was not in an okay space personally. I was not in an okay space spiritually. I was so dang broken. Y'all, <laughs> you have no idea how broken and wounded I entered into quarantine. And I'm serious. And I am going to write about it in the book. And I'm going to be really honest about it. So when these things happened, I was done. I was done. I personally was so broken. I was empty. Does that make sense? I had nothing left to give. I could not imagine producing anything else at this moment. And I stopped everything. I stopped 
everything. I went dark on social media. I stopped putting out my podcast. I chunk like threw away the book. I, I stopped everything. And I've been producing a lot during this time. In fact, I like increased a thousand followers since the beginning of the year, you know, and I, come on, I haven't really done anything. You know what I mean? Or like since genius, I don't know. It, it, it kind of went a little fast for a while. And I just, I froze. And my producer Taylor was like, Hey, you've got some podcasts already recorded. How about I just go ahead and finish those up for you and put them out. And I said, that's a no. I didn't want any part of me out there. I felt so exposed. I felt so vulnerable. And I had said this right before I went live on Sirius XM, either that morning or the night before it hit me like a ton of bricks. This is a live audition in front of the world. Now think about that. Most auditions are behind, you know, maybe in front of 20 people or they're behind a screen. It's like confession, right? It's like they could go either way. They could go, you know, it's a number of ways. This was a live audition in front of the world. Whoever tuned in in America and it's in, you know, I know in Canada, so it's international as far as I'm concerned, but I don't know what other countries, maybe none. I don't know. And it was, and, and I had a choice at this point Do I tell everybody it was an audition? Because nobody knew. I hadn't really declared this as, hey guys, I'm up for a show. I could have just said it was a special and that's it because it's the summer and they need to fill the airtime. You know, people could have just assumed that. I didn't have to come forward and say, this is what that was and this is how it ended. But I just feel like it just wouldn't be true to who I am and what I'm doing in this space and asking all of you to come along with me on this journey and why I wanted to take the time out today to talk about it. It took me 40 days to come to peace and to understanding about my life and about where I want to go with my career. Honest to goodness, it took me that long. There was a deep, dark depression I've talked about on Instagram, and I don't really want to focus on that. Not because I'm afraid to talk about depression. If you know me, you know I'm not afraid of it. But I don't want to give it any more energy and acknowledgement than I already have. Yes, it was deep. Yes, it was dark. Yes, it was absolutely 100% the lowest point of my life just happened 40-something days ago and was continuously happening. That is true. I have never been that... Um... Oh man, I have never been that exposed and uh, raw in my life, ever. So many things happened that came to a head that I never would have looked at, focused on, vocalized, unless I had stopped. I had to stop. It was the busyness and the running away and the arrogance and all the other things that got me into the trouble I was in. And I would not have figured out the trouble if I hadn't paused. And I've never stopped that long in my life. I'm an extroverted extrovert and I just stopped friends, everything. So what happens now? Where am I at now? I had to decide about this podcast and this book specifically, whether or not to continue them because they were started from that meeting in February at SiriusXM. They told me I needed to beef up my resume and who I was. And I did. 
I listened. I started an Instagram live show at the beginning of quarantine. I put in my women's conference for the second time. I really started, you know, putting myself out there on, on social media. I started a podcast. I put in a book proposal. I did all the things. And then I had a live special, you know? So do those things continue? Were they started in vain? I had to decide whether or not they were mine and were they going to stay that way? So here's where I thought I was going to ask the question. What had a quiet down in my life to hear God? And here's a fair point. This is, I guess, kind of a two-point, two-part story. At this point of the story, what had a quiet down in my life in order for me to hear God was rejection. I have never been so rejected personally and professionally than at this time in my life. Two major events happened at the same time that coincided, that collided. It was like a big bang theory situation. And both of them were in the realm of rejection. And it almost killed me. It did. It almost absolutely unraveled me. And it wasn't until I was with my spiritual director, which took me months to meet, make that meeting happen because of me. He looked at me and said, you have no hope. And I, I, I had no hope. I was 100% hopeless. I didn't realize I am a hopeless person. You wouldn't think that looking at me, you know, I don't know how many of us are walking around hopeless, but I definitely am. And he told me to start praying for heroic hope. And he told me to start praying a rosary every day. And that the first three Hail Marys at the beginning of the rosary, the first one is for courageous faith. The second one is for heroic hope. And the third one is for a pure love, a love so pure that you can forgive. And in this case, forgive myself. And I'm sitting here at this microphone and I can honestly tell you, I have not done that yet. Oh, I haven't. I have not forgiven myself yet. I don't know how I got to where I was to the point where I don't even recognize myself. I don't know how I got there. I don't know how I was living and making the choices and doing the things I was doing that went against every fiber of my being and everything that I believe. And I just can't forgive myself for allowing it to happen. That's what I can't forgive myself. I know I'm forgiven by God. I went straight to confession multiple times. My spiritual director has forgiven me. My therapist has forgiven me. My my husband has forgiven me. Those are the three people who know every detail, every detail. I do not have one friend on this planet or one other family member that knows anything else. Some people might think they know some of the things, but they don't. That is how deep and dark I was. And I don't know how, I don't know how to move into forgiveness. All I know how is that I am begging God to reveal it to me. I start my day every morning with a prayer of heroic hope before my feet touch the ground. I thank him for my life. I thank him for my husband, my marriage, my children. And I beg him to take away the pain that I still feel from the decisions and choices I made. I'm still in pain. 
And really, it just all happened. You know what I mean? It's not like this is something 10 years ago. I went professional starting in 2018. And I would venture to say I started down a road probably around 2017. You know, it takes a long time to get to certain places. This didn't just happen overnight, everybody. And the healing's not going to happen overnight either. So I, I am begging him for forgiveness, but I wanted to be real. I have not. And, I, and that's why I think I couldn't create until I came to some decisions about my life. I had to find my voice again. I had to find my confidence. I had to discover that girl from a year ago that was so pure in her confidence. Stepping on those stages, taking those microphones, posting the things on Instagram, really and truly believing in herself. But moreover, not just believing in yourself, but accepting the gifts and the talents God had bestowed upon you as reality. That's what confidence is. That's what I have decided that the definition is, is when you say, yes, I 100% accept and receive these gifts and talents God the creator of the universe has given to me that you made me with intention. I wasn't an afterthought. I wasn't just some leftover matter that you made me with intention and you have a specific purpose for my life. That's confidence. And I lost it. And I'm trying to find it again. And the first step is welcoming him back into my life picking him up exactly where I left him and asking him to walk alongside me as a forgiven sinner, as a person, as a woman who desires to be good, who desires to be holy and who desires to make an impact and a difference in this world. And I feel now that that is through my podcast. That is a as small as that platform is, which to be really honest, I don't even know how to gauge that. But it is, it's, it's a little spot in the world on the air where I can do what I do. And on Instagram, where I can do what I do. And in a book where I will do what I will do. If I do not get this contract with the publisher, which most people don't tell you when they're up for things, you know, or trying for things. But why not? To me, it's like when you find out you're pregnant and you just don't share it because in case you miscarry, yes, I understand that. But also we can all be a part of that if you do. And you can all be a part of this if I do, just like with SiriusXM. If I don't get this, I'll go to another publishing firm. And if I exhaust all of those avenues, then I will self-publish because I really think the story I want to tell, which I haven't shared what that is really, I think I have a little bit. I might have. I'm not going to share that today. I think it's definitely worth the conversation in print. You know what I mean? Like permanent. There's some conversations that can stay audible and there's some conversations that can be forgotten. And then there's some that need to be written down in print. And I really feel like this is one of them. I had to come to these choices, these, it's like Dorothy with her ruby red slippers. I had to just understand on my own. I've had the power within me the whole time. And it's time for me to click my heels and move on. And that's what I'm trying to do. 
And I want you to see I'm not done with all of it, right? Like I'm not finished in the healing process. I'm still in the healing process. I'm just not in the like torture pain part. I survived that. Does it hit me? It hit me today. I cried with my husband for an hour today. I really did. I haven't done that in probably a week, week and a half. I was back where I was. And that's the hard part about grief and the hard part about sin and all sorts of things. It hits you, right? Hits you in waves. It's going to be a process, but I'm going to get through it and I'm going to survive it. And I know that because I've given it over to God. And I think also because I'm being honest and truthful about it. And now you guys are here with me, right? We're all in this together. I, I love being a part of your stories. Y'all are so awesome in sharing the things that you share and that you allow me to sit in your space with you. I love it. Oh God, I love it. So I also decided to continue my graduate work because I want to get a degree in theology, a master's in it, because I want it for myself. I want to experience my Lord in an academic way because that is not a natural space for me. And I know that I will encounter him in ways that I could not get there on my own. I'm never going to be the kid that sits down and reads the books about God. I'm not going to do it. I'm literally not going to be that person. Also, I am continuing my women's ministry. I have a nonprofit now. And I'm running that organization and I'm going to continue genius. And I have some new women's ministry things that I am writing and that I will be producing and talking about and promoting very soon. I haven't wanted to work and do new content or do any content in so long. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for encouraging and being a part of this, I want Talk To Me with Liv Harrison to be a different voice out in a huge sea of podcasts. And I think it has the potential to do that because I love focusing on other people. I do not want to continue to talk about my story. I don't. I want to shine the light on other stories because there are so many phenomenal humans on this planet. It makes me Oh my gosh, it gets me emotional. I truly believe that when you start to fall in love with God's greatest, greatest creation, his greatest piece of artwork, which is the human being, the human soul, when you begin to fall in love with that creation art, you will seek to know him. That is what I feel like I've been put on this planet to do. I am really good at loving people. I'm really good at networking, connecting, and storytelling. These are my gifts. I can say that in confidence. So if I could have with my little tiny platform, a place to showcase human beings and their amazing stories and the artwork of their souls, then everybody who hears this and starts to build up, they're going to want to know the creator. When you go and you see the David, when you go and you see any type of artwork in a museum, you then become curious when you fall in love with it, with the artist, with the creator. You want to know about him. Where did he live? Who did he marry? What kind of childhood did he have? Where did she go to school? Why did she create this piece? That is how I think I'm supposed to bring souls to the kingdom of God. I really do. 
I really think this is my mission. And I think I could get other people to fall in love with people so that they want to fall in love with God and seek him. I really do. So that is what I have gotten out of my big pause and where I am going. Am I going to be well known? <clears throat> I don't think so. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to get to to be exactly where I'm at and that's going to be perfect. I really wanted a national platform not for a selfish reason, but because I wanted so many souls to be exposed to the incredible people that are in my life. Like I think everybody should know Dr. Octavius Bishop's story. Everyone should know Chad Hedrick's story. Everyone should know Gita Raj's story. Everyone should know Catherine Whitaker's story. Everyone should know Katie Prejean's story. I'm trying to think of all my guests that would take, you know, not like I've had that many, but you know what I'm saying? Not just our little Catholic bubble and it's not a Catholic show. Because when we just limit to Catholicism, we're limiting God's work. His amazing artwork is in every soul, not just the Catholic ones. I want all the souls, all the stories, period. That's what I'm sad about losing on a national level. But you know what? I went into this, even though I was broken and I wasn't in the right frame, I did say to God over and over again, with SiriusXM, I want your will to be done. And here's the thing. He answered that prayer with his will. And now I'm ready to listen. And I've always said this about prayer. There's three answers. Yes, which is the one we all love. Maybe, which is like the wait. And then the harsh no. But all three are answers. And he answered me. And now my prayer is changing (laughs) to the specifics of, so where do I go now? In your will, what does that look like? And my friends, that's all any of us can do, which is what we're all supposed to do. Each one of us is supposed to get our soul back to heaven and as many souls with us. And it's all got to be for the glory of God. And it's all, all of it has to be within his will. So please join me. It'll never be this boring again. (laughs) I'll never be alone. I don't foresee maybe one day, but not again for a long time. I will always have an incredible guest. I will always bring you incredible stories. I promise to always be real and honest. And I promise to be entertaining. And I promise to always try to lead you to Christ. I am praying for you. Please continue to pray for me. Follow me at theliveharrison.com. You can go check out my website and at theliveharrison on Instagram and Facebook. If you need a speaker and MC, I'm your girl. I love you. I truly do. You are extraordinary. Thanks so much for listening to Talk to Me with Liv Harrison, the stories behind their success. 
Now I got a little favor to ask. I need you to come back next week and listen to my next fantastic guest. The best way to remember is to subscribe. If you haven't already subscribed, take a second, take a moment and do that right now. And I really appreciate it. If you could even do me another solid, leave me a review. It's really important as I start off these first few weeks. I need your support. Share with your friends. Tell your colleagues. Make your kid listen. Okay, you don't have to make your kid listen. But subscribe, like, share, leave a review, and come back next week. Thank you so much. Until you hear me again.